onward and upward we go. The days keep flying off of the calendar. We are almost to the end of May. Can you believe it? I know. The weather is heating up, and so is the show, baby. Thank you for listening. This is the Believe in Jayhawk basketball program on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Jonas Nordman, and I thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. I know, again, college basketball has not been on the national radar since, well, the middle of March. But, again, we we continue on. You don't tackle a, a college basketball. You don't tackle a Kansas basketball program without knowing that you're going to have an off season, even if March madness doesn't even happen. So still appreciate you listening. Thanks for always writing in interacting. Would love your thoughts and concerns on any topics you want to hear as we roll through the age of coronavirus. This is the believe podcast network, your number one podcast network for professionals like me. We believe in our teams. Do you believe So here's what I believe, and here's what we got coming up. Here's what you can look forward to. Little draft news. Just what's going on. I know the NBA draft lottery hasn't happened. I know the NBA season hasn't even finished yet, but here's how it's looking for some of our favorite Jayhawks, or former Jayhawks. The Big 12 news. What is happening with some of our foes, some of Bill Self and his group's foes, in conference, well, mainly just one. There's some news surrounding uh, one opponent in Big 12 play. I'll give you a hint. It's still technically your national runner-up. That should uh, let you know who I'm talking about. And then, yes, we will continue our retrospective on perhaps the most frustrating and hair-pulling player on the roster, but also the most handsome player on the roster. Again, that should probably get the job done for you. So, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, what we maybe will lack in time, we are going to make up for in content and fun. And I always feel like each episode is going to be super short, and we still end up getting to like the 30-minute mark regardless. It's called vamping and filling time. Um, as always, like I said, appreciate you listening. Rate, subscribe, smash that like button. I know this isn't on YouTube, and that's what they say, but regardless... My mom said she liked the last couple episodes, and that's all the vindication I need. It means I'm doing something right, because who's going to be tougher on you than your own flesh and blood? I guess maybe if a Mizzou fan or or K-State fan were to listen to this, they'd be pretty harsh. But their opinions mean nothing to me. So first on up. Let's talk some NBA drafts. Let's talk about some of our favorite former Jayhawks. And I specifically am talking about Devon Dotson. I have no sources. All the info I get is similar to what you can go and and find out and read. But there seems to be a lot of smoke and, and a lot of momentum, especially on Twitter and now in written articles, that Devon Dotson will be a first round draft pick. I find that interesting, and I'm bringing this up because uh, anytime you watched a KU basketball game, he was clearly the shortest guy on the court. You know, the three-point shot is not necessarily where it should be to be on an all-NBA level. But the stats prove it or bear it out, and I've always believed that if your jump shot's a little broken in college, that's what tends to come to you. That's what you can improve on the best and the most 
once you go to the NBA and you are a full-time basketball player and you don't need to pretend like you're also a student, but your hours are cut up when you're in college. Uh, you do need to focus on going to class and doing your homework and tutoring. Whereas when you're in the NBA, you can be in the gym as long as you want. You can work on your jump shot. You can be working with professional shooting coaches. Uh, so I do feel like that jump shot is something that can come if you really wanted to. Now, uh, again, the smoke and the momentum seems to be picking up that Devon Dotson will be going towards the bottom of the first round. And I'm seeing a lot, both online, on Twitter, and in these articles, that seem to be zeroing, zeroing in on the Lakers. Which I thought about, and it really felt like a perfect fit. And I hope that does happen for Devon Dotson. Because here's the Lakers' depth chart in terms of point guards as we stand. Rajon Rondo, who's old, doesn't shoot the ball very well, can be a little crotchety at times. And Alex Caruso, who... If you're not familiar, you may remember him from his times at Texas A&M, even though they were in the SEC when he was there. Uh, this is a guy who is, is a lot of folklore around him. Really, really good player. Really athletic. One of the best dunkers even on the Lakers team. But in terms of point guard play, I mean, he's, he's limited. So if you bring in Devon Dodson, uh, immediately he becomes one of the better point guards in the organization, uh, presumably as if he keeps improving like he did during his time at Kansas. You do have LeBron on the team, who's essentially a point guard anyways. He has the ball in his hands all the time. But I think it's fair to say that LeBron's playing days, well, he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning. Like his contract with the Lakers will be up after two more years whenever this season wraps up, and then you go from there. But on a team and an organization that figures to have Anthony Davis on its roster for the next, let's call it a decade, five plus years, we'll, we'll split the difference, call it seven years. Anthony Davis, a, a seven footer who increasingly tends to spend a lot of his time around the perimeter, take advantage of matchups. He's either too big for a smaller guy. So then he'll drive past him with the ball in his hands or he floats around the perimeter, likes to take some three point shots because he has a really good stretch forward. That means that the biggest player on the Lakers would be drawing out some of the biggest players on the opposing team, opening up the middle of the floor. And if Devon Dotson then has the ball, well, then he can take advantage of his speed and drive right into the paint and create mayhem from there. I'm already dreaming of the scenarios with Dotson as a Laker, but I like the fit. That's sort of what I'm getting at. And if they don't necessarily need him right away, he can play a bit in the G league, which even though I ragged on the G league, it's still a good opportunity for, professional players look at what it did for Devonte graham graham his rookie year played a lot of g league basketball second year the year that we're still technically in the midst of three-point contest rising stars challenge perhaps the best player on the charlotte hornets making people really question michael jordan for signing terry rogier to a huge contract when all of a sudden Devonte graham is more valuable and a better player than rogier and making a fraction of the money. So yeah, I, I would really love that fit if it, if it could happen for Devon Dotson. And that'd be really cool for him to potentially be a first round draft pick. Now, if you're wondering about Yudoka Azabuki, the great debate sort of rolls on. Uh, these articles also say that he doesn't appear to be a first round draft pick. Hopefully he would get an opportunity in the second round. I mean, again, the, the, the conundrum on Yudoka is this. If we were talking about him 10 years ago, 
bona fide, certainly lottery pick, but for sure first round. But in this new pace and space basketball world, the lumbering big center who doesn't move great. He's, he's improved his mobility. He's lost all the weight, has Yudoka Azabuki, but he doesn't get around still that well. You wouldn't want him on an NBA pick and roll at the moment. It's just tough. And there's no way in hell you want Yudoka Azabuki shooting a three-point shot. Unless he is working really hard right now in the gym. And he's going to be entering the combine in the NBA draft. And all of a sudden, he's an NBA marksman from deep. I doubt it, but weirder things have happened. Oh, no, that's not true. That would be the weirdest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean... If you know of anything that's weirder than Yudoka Azabuki coming into the NBA next year, becoming a marksman, let me know. That might be the, the biggest, who would have thunk it? Not that it's going to happen. But if it, we're, we're playing fantasy basketball right now, not in the terms of regular fantasy basketball, more like the most outrageous thing we could think of. Boy, I want that to happen, though. Just plant Yudoka Azabuki in the corners. Let him shoot from deep. Be hilarious. But it won't happen. All right, so best of luck to those two guys. This is not the year you want to be entering the NBA or the lottery of the draft. I mean, we, we still don't even know when the season's going to end. But all signs pointing to, De- to Devon Dotson as a first-round draft pick, which would be really sweet. Now, I mentioned there's some unrest in the Big 12. I will start with the departure. And this is a big, this is a really big piece of news. You know, I've done a pretty good amount of, you know, crystal balling, looking ahead to next season now that the season that was is officially finished. And like, who, who are Kansas's biggest competitors going to be in the Big 12? I've said it repeatedly. Like, Baylor is a consensus top three team nationally for the upcoming season although they are waiting for their own NBA draft decisions. Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, figuring things out. But presumably, Baylor will be, once again, KU's number one challenge. But right there with them should be Texas Tech. Partly because Chris Beard's an excellent coach, and he's now all of a sudden... Turn that little program out there in Lubbock, Texas, the place I really don't want to go ever go to. But they are all of a sudden a force in the Big 12, the team that is still currently the national runner-up because Virginia is still technically the defending national champion, and they took down Texas Tech in overtime in that championship game. And a big piece of the team that Texas Tech was going to be bringing back next year was going to be the Italian Davide Moretti. And just a few days ago, Moretti made the decision and the announcement that he is leaving Texas Tech. He is going to go play professionally back home in Italy. So he was going to be a senior coming off a season in which he shot or he had 13 points per game, 1.7 rebounds per game. 2.3 assists per game and was a pretty calming force. I mean, keep in mind, he scored 18 points against KU in the very last regular season game of the season. 
what else did he do in terms of three-point shooting? Uh, he was the guy who really stretched the floor for Texas Tech. I have the number right here, 42% on three-point shots over the last two seasons. He's going to go play for Olympia Milano in the Lega Basket Serie A. And it's big news. There really is big news in terms of teams Kansas will be going up against in their battle for now a second consecutive Big 12 title. It was going to be Baylor. It was going to be Texas Tech in terms of the number one challengers. And that's a big piece for Texas Tech to lose. Something to keep an eye on. Something that is not a small deal. So out goes Moretti. But just coming down the pipeline today, there was news out of Lubbock. The Red Raiders have now also landed just in today. This is news from Wednesday, May 27th. Mac McClung, full name Matthew, goes by Mac, return of the Mac. McClung, the transfer out of Georgetown. He is committing, and he will be coming to Texas Tech, but he's not eligible to play. So that's something to keep an eye on. That will be trouble for KU in two seasons. For Perhaps, luckily, Tech loses Moretti. They bring in McClung, but he can't play. If, if you recognize the name Mac McClung, well, perhaps you watch a lot of Georgetown basketball, but they haven't been worth the watch recently. He is a viral superstar. The kid has hops. He can really get up. He had several high school mixtapes of his dunks, hyper athlete, improving jump shot. Perhaps the offseason where he has to sit out after transferring will help his overall game or his all-around game, I should say. Uh, But solid player, ESPN, for what it's worth, had him ranked as the second best transfer prospect in terms of guys who can't play right away. So he's more he's a little bit more than just a dunker. Got hurt this past year leaving Georgetown and a full off season under Chris Beard's tutelage. Hmm. Could be interesting. This is the Believe in Jayhawk a basketball program. Appreciate you listening. Yep, just when I think that we're not going to have enough content. Here we are. Uh right, well we're not right up against it, but have more than enough time to get to our next player in our series, trying to run out of players on the roster. Uh, if only this was a football program, we could do this series all off season long. Only what, like 13, 15 players on a basketball roster though. No worries. I'm not tripping. Figure it out. So who are we talking about today? I said, he's the most handsome guy on the roster, but he's also the guy that makes you want to pull your hair out the most. Yeah, I think you figured it out. Number 30, 6'5", 210 pounds out of Kansas City, Missouri. He's a local kid. Ochai Agbaji. Agbaji. I feel like I mis- mispronounced it or I really emphasized the G too much. Agbaji. Young Och. So here's the raw numbers real quick. 10 points per game. Honestly, a little surprised he got up that high to uh, 10 points per game. rebounds per game, solid. Best athlete on the team, probably going to say that a lot. (laughs) 2.0, two assists per game. 42.8 field goal percentage, 
and 33.83 point percentage. But what were the main issues? Well, inconsistency, for sure. And turnovers. I mean, man, did he have a bad year passing. Like, that's such a weird thing to say. So we don't think of passing in basketball much more than, you know, swinging it around. Maybe a direct pass up the court. But like in terms of inbound plays, in terms of getting the ball low down into the post to a guy in Yudoka Azabuki, who was the most physical force in college basketball last year, a walking planet who created space just by moving. And he had trouble with those post passes. Agbaji had 1.9 turnovers per game. Let's just call it two because it's an eyelash away from two turnovers per game. That's after he averaged 1.4 his freshman year. So he's pretty close to averaging a full turnover more per game this past year. He really capped it off like the performance, and this was the first game of the year, don't get me wrong, but five turnovers against Duke. He wasn't the only one. That was just a disgusting game in terms of ball handling for the entire team, but he was the catalyst. So up and down year for Agbaji. There were the games where he looked like he was going to be a key contributor. He was going to be the third cog behind Dotson and Azubuki. I think of the 16 points versus Tennessee. And then there's the games where he plays 39 minutes at Baylor and has zero points on only five shots. The Baylor game may not be a great example because Azabuki was dominating and why wouldn't he take every shot? But he played all but one minute and only got five shots up? That seems weird. To Ochai's credit, this is a guy who was a key cog in what was the best defensive team in the nation. And you can't be the best defensive team in the nation with only two good players. Garrett and Azabuki contributed a ton, right? The anchor underneath the basket, blocking everything, the best perimeter defensive player in the nation, but there's still three other positions. And trust me, Isaiah Moss wasn't as much of a key contributor defensively as Ochai Agbaje. Quick feet, great athleticism, pretty good length. You know, maybe the mental part of it wasn't always there for young Och. But you you can't be the best defensive team in the country if only two-fifths of your lineup are really good. He was by far, like, not even close. He's the best athlete on the team. Like, he can jump out of the gym. But, man, that jump shot at times looked broken. I mean, what was it? Was it against West Virginia? What was the game? He had the the three-point shot from the corner, and he banked it in. So I'm talking about he is alongside the backboard, not like straight up. Like if you're shooting from the top of the key and you bank it in, so be it. You're a little strong. But to bank it in from the corner, that means that the the rotation and the release are way off. He has a huge offseason ahead of him. I mean, this is is where we really get to the nitty-gritty of it all. Massive offseason right now. Because there is potential, is there not? for him to take the next step. And I don't think it's really insane to say that this is a guy who could be in the draft next year. I mean, he was getting the headlines last year after that hot start. There's a massive opportunity for him to become a superstar next year, 
on a top 10 team. And again, if you're talking about a face to put on a billboard, I mean, look at him. So he's probably not the player who burst onto the scene his freshman year, you know, right after they burned his red shirt. It was a huge story. Quentin Grimes, this guy is totally overrated, isn't getting the job done. KU has injuries. They're short on the roster. There's this three-star recruit who's supposedly the best athlete on the team, redshirting because I knew he was going to be a program guy, needed time for seasoning. And he, I mean, once he started playing, he had three 20-point games in the span of five. He was routinely shooting like 80% in games, and he came in the middle of like Big 12 play. But if Kansas is going to succeed next season, he can't play like the three-star recruit that he looked like at times this year. Because there were times where it was readily apparent that there was a reason this was not a top recruit. Local guy, hyper-athlete, potential just dripping off of him. But sometimes it just wasn't able to put it together. So for what it's worth, and it is my program, here's my prediction. I think he will have a big year next year. I do. Granted, I thought he was going to have a pretty good year this year. Middling, but I think he's going to have an outstanding year next season. And I think he will find his way onto an all-Big 12 first or second team. I don't think they necessarily need him to be a superstar, I don't think they necessarily need Agbaji to be a guy who's in the running for like Naismith player of the year. Call me crazy. I'm putting enough stock into Marcus Garrett as the glue guy, as the guy running the point, being the best defensive player. I'm looking forward to the kid transferring in from Juco and Bryce Thompson and all the different pieces that are going to be taking a step up that I don't necessarily think it all needs to fall onto the well-chiseled shoulders of Ochai Agbaji. But he does need to be either, if he's not the best player, he needs to be the second best player on the team next year. And there's a lot of work that needs to happen between right now and when the season tips off. He's a local guy though, right? If everything opens up, if it's a viable option, it's not too hard for him to get down to Lawrence then. He's in Kansas City already. So if he's able to, he's able to get to the facilities and play some hoops. I'm looking forward to next year for young Oach. I really am. There were times this past season he made you want to just bang your head against the table. Don't get me wrong. But we always knew. We did. There's a reason he was redshirting because we knew it was going to take about three years for him to really perhaps tap into that potential. Now, that third year was, I guess, still supposed to be this upcoming season. But really, I mean, he was being redshirted in anticipation that maybe two seasons down the line is when he really breaks out. Timeline got moved up. These things happen. The moment is yours, Ochai. All right, there you have it. Another one down. A little draft talk, a little Texas Tech, Big 12 overall talk, a little Young Oach talk. Good stuff, as per usual. I hope everyone is staying safe. 
I don't believe, yeah, Matt Goldberg, if you're wondering, did not win Holy Moly, but he had a good run. I did see the part, though, where he got knocked into the water. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I saw that clip. It's okay. It's a, it was a show made for embarrassment. Um, look, uh, I know it's weird times. I do appreciate everyone, as always, listening. Um, I know just because my mom liked the last couple episodes doesn't mean I don't seek your approval as well. So drop some comments, drop some subscriptions, recommend to your friends, uh, regardless of where you're at in the country. If you're in the Kansas City, you know, Lawrence area, look, you're the main target for sure, obviously. But Jayhawk Nation is big and strong. So if you're in Texas, if you're in the Chicago area, because I know there's a lot of Jayhawks in the Chicago area, trust me, when I was in school, they made sure to tell me. <laughs> Just tell your friends, or at the very least, just play it on a computer over and over and over again. But until I speak with you next week, I am Jonas Nordman here on the Believe Podcast Network and the Believe in Jayhawks basketball program. Until next time, my good friends, I bid you adieu and a friendly rock shock.